Well, I got my start when I was in, in my teens. It was back in the late 70s in uh, San Diego, California, in a community called Linda Vista. Um, I lived up the street from a beekeeper, and his family owned a small bee operation. And in summertime, I'd go out with him and his uh, sons, and I'd chase after swarms, and we'd collect hives off of people's properties. And uh, I would go in the backyard, and I'd help, you know, I'd help prep out the, the beehive boxes, you know, I'd paint them, and I'd build frames. And, We'd put the foundation sheet in there, and uh, we would uh, basically melt the honey down, and we'd put it in containers, and then we we recycle it. We take the bee supply house up in Del Mar, and jar up honey. We take the hives, we clean the honey out of the hives, we jar it. Um, you know everything from basically hive maintenance to building hives to gathering swarms and hives to working hive boxes, jarring honey. Basically did it all. I mean, he was a one-stop shop. We did everything right there on his uh, on his property. So, so how did you meet that guy? He he lived up the street from me. Okay. Yeah, I lived. We lived in the same community. I could literally walk from my front door to his, and literally about like less than two minutes. I mean, so when you when you first met him, what did what did you think of this guy? I mean, he was a bee guy, or did you know that part about him? I I knew that he had hives because all the kids in the neighborhood, you you know, we walk by his yard and we see bees flying out of his backyard, and so everyone commented on it. Everyone had something to say about the bees, you know, and. Um, the, the interesting thing was, I didn't really think much about it because we were neighbors, and I, I went to school with his daughter and uh, his, his younger son. We went, we all went to the same school. We were just a few years apart. And then when when I got my first uh, real taste for uh, beehives and, and, and working beehives was actually by happy accident. Down the street from us, uh, right across the way, a neighbor had a beehive in her in their high, in the roof above their front door. It's like a little um, roof that extends out above the front door area. I sat there and watched him remove it for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I got a chair and I got my binoculars. He said I can't sit too close because he didn't want me to get stung. So I sat there with my binoculars and watched him work for like 40 minutes and he was taking honey out of this neighbor's roof of mine. And uh, it, I, I was I was amazed. I, I mean, I was like 15 and I was just sitting there. I was like, man, this is amazing. So you know? was that the bite that you that got you to go in and you say, hey, I want to try to do this? Or Well, uh, I, it got me excited. You know, it whet my appetite for sure. And then when the guy was removing it, I asked him, I said, hey, can I get some of that honey? He said, sure. He said, go home and get a Ziploc baggie. So I ran home and I brought one back and he filled it up with about five or six pounds of raw honey right out of the hive. And uh, right from that moment, I knew I said, "Man, this is this is this is some exciting stuff." And then the irony of it is, I didn't really think about doing it for a living. But my neighbor that lived up the street from us, who had hives and that was his business, um, he uh, he asked me if I wanted to help them, and I said, "Yeah, I wouldn't mind." And he said, "Okay, be here at five o'clock in the morning." And so, you know. I thought that was kind of early, but you have to get started early before the bees start flying. So I was at his house at five o'clock and I was loading up beehives on the back of his truck and smokers and smoker rolls and, you know, that bag of tools and the things that you need to go out and do your work for the day. And um, I did that basically all spring during the spring break. And then when summer, when summer school or when summer came along, we we're out for the summer months, I'd, I'd go and work with him and his family. And we'd go all over San Diego chasing out uh, swarms and removing hives. Better than a paper route, right? 
<laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you something my mom thought i was crazy she goes what do you like about it and i said i i, I love everything about it she goes but what is it i said it's exciting when you open up the wall or the roof and there's the hive and all that fresh raw honey and I, I, to me it was just amazing how those bees could just pack you know 50 60 pounds of honey in a structure and uh, every day i had raw fresh honey i mean on our table i always had raw honey and i still to this day at home the irony of it is if i can't get enough from the hives I'll buy it, and we have all <laughs> people. They, they're like, "Why are you buying honey?" And I'm like, "Well, if I can't get enough from my own hives, you know, I'll 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 buy it." And we have all kinds. We got orange blossom, we we have alfalfa, wild wildflower, um, eucalyptus honey, all different types of honey wow. we have. You know. So so was that part of the, like the San Diego culture? Was there a piece of San Diego back then that had that in its culture? Because right now, I mean, all you see really is like city, you know, streets and you know, there's a lot of construction now, but the idea there is like I'm trying to see if back then what was the the culture of bee removal or beehive like you know like beekeepers, you know things of that nature. There there was actually you know there was actually a lot more open space back then, and so you had a lot more opportunity to place your bees in different areas of the county and even in the city at the times so it wasn't as built up you know 40 years ago or 38 years ago now, um, but there wasn't. There wasn't as many people in this profession, um, you know, because the San Diego was a lot smaller. But as as the city grew and there's more people and there's more buildings, there's there's the opportunity for more hives to infest buildings as well. So there's more opportunity there. Um, but there's a there's really only a handful of people that are specialists that do only bees. Uh, I you know I think of like maybe four or five of us. Even back then. Uh, back then, there was uh, there was only four companies, and I think today there might be maybe maybe five or six companies that specialize. Because a lot of times, what you'll have is you have people that do bees, but they do termites and they do general pests as well. Yeah. But people that just specialize in in bee removal, there's just a handful of us. So was it good money back then? You, you, you I mean, know, were you well, saving up well, like putting well, it under the mattress? Well, well, and well, 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 this is the funny thing. <laughs> Back in the day when, when my boss started, he was the first guy in San Diego to start charging for bee swarm removal. In oh. 1973, when he started his company, he, uh, he started charging $10 to remove a swarm, if you can imagine that. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, Holy you know, you've got to realize the average rent was about 160 170 You could rent a three-bedroom, one-bath house for, you know, less than uh, $200. Okay. So there's a lot, you know. So I guess it's all do, comparable. Do a few high or do, do a few yeah, swarms and yeah. you're good to go. Yeah, and a, and a hive, I mean, like what, what, what you do a hive for, you know, we'd open up a wall or a roof for like 250 you know, mm -hmm. 275 less than 300 bucks, you would remove a structural hive. Mm -hmm. Basically, what a swarm goes for today is what people were removing structural hives for. That kind of gives you an idea how much the pricing has changed over the year. But, you know, so it has everything else. You know, it's all comparable, I guess. But Sure. Um, there were people who were basically saying you're never going to be able to charge, you know, for bee removal. No one's going to pay you to remove the bees. And he basically said it's a valuable service and we should get paid for our for our services. So yeah. he started charging money. And, and needless to say, all the other people that, the, that were doing at the time, they followed suit and everyone started charging a fee. Yeah. And then, you know, over the years, of course, the cost of living and everything else has gone up. So has the swarm removals and hive removals. Yeah, well, that's like any other business, right? Like, 
one person starts making money on it, and then everybody else that's doing it as a hobby, they're yeah. like, oh, well, I can make money on it, too. Yeah, the light bulb goes <laughs> off, and they say, hey, I can actually make money doing this? Wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I think for the most part, though, it's it's <clears throat> for people that are really passionate about their profession, especially in certain types of industries, um, you need to make money to survive, but a lot of it's you really enjoy doing it. You know, even, even if you're not making, let's say, as much money as you would... Uh, working for a large corporation if you're doing what you love to do a lot of people in this industry they're kind of crazy about it they're they're you know it's a pretty passionate group of people um they you know just uh they basically devote their life to it right you know i know there's people that have been doing this for 40 plus years yeah well i think you would have to right you would have to be passionate about something like this i mean it's a dirty job Right. It's dirty. It's hard work. Uh, it's hot because you got to wear a bee suit. It's long hours. Your risk of getting stung. Risk of, of being stung. You know. I mean, uh, weekends off in the spring and the early summer months, you can forget it. You're not getting weekends off. <laughs> <laughs> and an eight-hour day, there ain't such thing as an eight-hour day. Right. I mean, you're doing 12, 14-hour days for about probably three to four months out of the year. Right. So let, let's go back to when you were 15, 16, like. How long were you doing this for back then? Was there ever a break, or was it? Have you just been doing it ever ever since? I I started in '79, and I did it uh, just for the spring and summer months, and then in the fall when it gets slow, there wasn't enough work to keep me on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still would, you know, hang out around the house because I was friends with this kid, so I was always, you know, just a, you know, just a fingertip away. You know, I was right. always right there. And he always wanted to know where I was at because he knew that he could get a good amount of work out of me. Because ah. I like, yeah. <laughs> he knew he knew he was going to get a lot of work out of that bag of honey. You're the workhorse <laughs> of the of the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the thing is, I I uh, I liked it right off the bat. So yeah. he and I we had a real good relationship because I enjoyed it and. And the funny thing was, uh, sometimes what you're uh, raised up with, you're not too crazy about, but what you choose to do, you really like it. Sure. And I chose to be there at 5 o'clock in the morning. I didn't have to be there. It was my choice. Wow. And so what what were the days, like 5 o'clock in the morning till when? Um, the, 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 the typical day, we, we'd start around 5, 5.30, get the truck set up, usually pull out about 6. And, and then by the time, back then the way we did is we would put the beehive or the swarms in beehive boxes, the white boxes that you see out in the fields. Right. And then uh, in the evening, we would let the we would set the box up there and let it stay. And in the evening, we'd come back towards dusk or dark, and we'd have to go to all the stops we went through th- throughout the day. And then we would have to go back in the evening and then pick up all those boxes. So if you made ten or fifteen stops, you had to go back to all those places and pick up all the boxes, put them on the truck, and then we would take them out to a piece of property in Del Mar. And usually we wouldn't get done until, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Right. So the wow. typical day looked like about 17 hours. It's like working on a farm. It, it Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really a good analogy. It really is. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So so you you loved it so much, even with all those long hours, the hard work. I mean, was, you know, was there any point in time where you said, you know what, this isn't for, for, for me? I never said that. Never? No, that wow. never. No, I, I in fact... I can tell you, I can tell you the moment in time when the light bulb went off for me and I said, thank you God for letting me find my passion. It was 1991. Uh, I had been, I'd been out of work for a while. I was looking for a job. It was back in the recession of the early Mm nineties. And, um, I, I had run into his son and, and, uh, we, we hadn't talked for a while. And anyway, he gave me the phone number and I called him on the phone and we talked for a bit on the phone. He said, we need to get together. We got together and we met up and 
He said, what are you doing these days? And I said, I'm out looking for a job right now. And he says, well, I, I got tons of work. You know what it is. And so the next morning, I was back at it. I was like, we, we didn't skip a beat. It was like, you know, there was no time had passed. We were oh, right okay. back into doing what we were doing. And um, so you went the whole, about the 80s, the whole 80 decades? 79 to to about 80, what was it, 80, 85, about six years. And then 85, I got into construction, did that mm. for a while, um, did that for about four years. And then... Um, uh, did a little stint in the military. Then when I got out of the military, I got back into the bees. So I had I have uh, uh, 25 plus five. I got a total of 30 years going on 31 total years in this in in this industry. At this point. At this point, yeah. Okay. Let me take a quick break, real quick, and then we're going to get into how bee best bee removal came about from the 91 you know rehashing of you teaming back up with the old beekeeper guy. Sounds so hold good. on a second. Okay. So we're back at it with uh, Jeff Lutz, the Bee Whisper, on Bee Chasing Podcast. Your first podcast, dude. All right. <laughs> Been trying to get you to do this for a long time. <laughs> I know. And now, now that we're in a dead of winter, I've got all the time in the world. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's go back to you, you were talking about 1991. You met back up with the old beekeeper guy. Um picked it up as if nothing no time had passed um how do we transition from that to how you establish your business today as b best b removal now you don't have to go into full details of you know the naming but definitely the whole idea of like what made you start the business after all these years like you were doing you were working for somebody else at that point right and then now like you're working for yourself yeah he 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 was um uh, unfortunately he was he was sick you know and and i knew that he was uh he had cancer and he was dying and um i had plans of working for his company but you know i didn't know what was going to happen there were some uncertainties there so without getting into all the nitty-gritty on it mm-hmm. it just um i decided i need to i, I like what i'm doing and i needed to secure my future and also i wanted to stay in his profession i figured the best, best way to do that was for me to start my own company so I just started thinking of some names, and uh, I asked friends and family members, you know, about Bee Best Beer Mobile, and there was another one I thought of, Bee Tech Bee Removal, mm-hmm. and there was like four or five. I don't know the other ones, but there was right. just a few I threw out there, and Bee Best Beer Mobile seemed like everyone liked that one. They said, that, that one sounds good, so I, I, I stayed with that one, and... Um, and it was uh, April 14th of 1993 was the established, uh, that's when Bee Best Beer Removal was established. Wow. Um, so was there, what were the challenges that came up during that time period to like help? I mean, or did you just straight up just say, hey, you know what? I woke up, starting the business, and it was all gravy from there. No, it was far from gravy from there. It, it was a it was a long hard struggle. It was it wasn't easy. The first few years were real tough. There were times I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep my doors open because the the money got had gotten so tight. Uh, getting through winters was brutally difficult during the first two or three years. In fact, I remember uh, going from uh, December early December of ninety four until the third week of January of ninety five. I didn't have a single job. Okay, almost two months with no work, and I mean I know it's winter time, but you know we're 
you, you need a certain amount of work even in the slow months to keep you afloat, especially, sure. you know, when you're a new startup company. So it was there there were some definite challenges there and and uh it was tough and you know, I just kept, you know, doing the jobs as they came in and, and, and trying to, you know, do whatever I could to offer more services. We did I did bee proofing and at that time to help supplement the income is I'd actually set up hives on people's properties to help generate a few extra bucks. Uh, I've since gotten away from that, but there's, you know, there was many different ways of trying to produce more income for the company. But after about four or five years, the base got underneath the company. Now it's got a good solid base with uh, residential and commercial cust- customers, and now we're 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 in good shape. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> going back, to, you know, this is a, for all the business buffs out there to kind of say, okay, well. Usually you have to go out and get a loan and, you know, do all this stuff. Like, how did you, like, really kind of, you know, get that started for all those, like, beekeepers out there or people that want to get into this profession? Like, like, did you put up your own money for it or how did, how did that happen? It was actually a bootstrap. I, I had gotten enough money together and, I mean, it, it was basically $3,000 is how I started this company, which is definitely bootstrapping. I mean, I, I had to, I bought an old used truck. It was, I think, 10 or 15 years old. It had like over 150,000 miles on it. Um, I'd go to secondhand stores to buy ladders and generators. Nothing. I, I wasn't buying anything new at the time because I couldn't afford to buy new. You know, I just, I, 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 I bought stuff as cheap as I could to keep the cost low to keep this thing going. And uh, basically, uh, it was blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, I just jumped in there with all four, and I says, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make this thing go. And uh, I, I would go out sometimes if I got a call at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I'd go out and do it. Uh, that's a little bit different today. Today, <laughs> today I, don't, I don't have to do that, thank God. But, no night missions? Yeah, no, no more, not as many night missions. But, um, but yeah, you just got to be willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, yeah. you got to be willing to put in the hours, uh, do the hard work, and uh, just keep plugging along. And when it gets tough, just get in the trenches and don't give up. Yeah, yeah. So you started your business everything's going good you're you're a solo person you're going out there on on your own no other employees no help no no partnerships yep no help no partnerships i had no investors other than the money that i i squirreled away to start it on my own and uh yeah it was it was just me up by myself and now you know we you know 24 years later we've got a girl in the office full-time answering phones um, who happens to be my wife. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's the best kind of help, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, we got a manager, uh, uh, who, who works full time during the season and then myself. And then during the height of the season, we'll bring on a helper. Um, and basically we'll, we're still a small operation, yeah. but, but we, we have more bodies to help do the volume of work. Mm-hmm. So it's running a lot smoother that way. Okay, so I think we skipped a part where you became really big. Oh, <laughs> we did skip that part. It must have been Was that painful. for good reason? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, this is funny because my boss said before he passed away, I remember some of our last conversations. I don't know if this was the very last one, but it was one of the latter ones before he uh, kicked the bucket. Mm. He said to me, whatever you do, Jeff, don't get too big. And the other thing... Don't get too greedy. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that, 
And the irony is, I was one of the biggest bee companies. Now, when I say big, let's let, let me put put this in uh, scale for you. Okay. Eight employees, okay, okay. Well, is large in this industry because sure. most people are running with two people. They got themselves and a helper, and if they're lucky enough to have a, a wife or a girlfriend working the office, they're very fortunate because it really runs a lot better that way. Yep. But long story short, two to three people in this business is a good size operation because it's seasonal. It's only six to eight months out of the year. And uh, anyway, we gotten real big. I had these big step vans rolling around town. And the irony of it is, even though the company was bigger and we were doing a lot more work and the company was producing more money, I was working harder, longer hours and making less money. So I realized it was actually a better thing for me to run it lean and mean. There you go. And and I had to learn the hard way. Hey, every business person does, right? I mean, I think so. I think I, you know your first passion wasn't business; it was bee removal, right? Right. Exactly. So <laughs> you have to figure out the business part <laughs> as you go along. <laughs> I think that's the best way to do it. You know, what I mean, because you know, I run into so many people all the time, and their first line of work in their mind is being the business person first. Passion comes second, and I think if you're going to start any kind of business. It needs to be the reverse. You know I mean, where the passion comes first, and I then agree. the business sense comes in after, or you get somebody else to handle your business for you while you just enjoy what you're doing. Right? Yeah, I, I think the passion is the main thing. Like, if people say, "Well, what's the what are some of the key ingredients to success in, in, in entrepreneurship?" and I'd say the number one ingredient is you got to love your job because if you love your job and you're not looking at the clock. You're not going to worry about working weekends. You're not going to worry about working overtime because you're doing what you love, so it doesn't matter. You're going to put in the time, and the more time you put in, the better success uh, chance of success you have. Yeah. So, I mean, that's for me. That's that's really the key ingredient. It's just really love what you're doing, and you know, just and and just take action. You know, jump in there and get it done. For sure. Well, you know, I think having this podcast coming up here, you know, having you do a few episodes just to see if you know you're going to like it or whatnot um tell the story you know of who you are which we've done pretty successfully in this first podcast um definitely want to get into uh, more storytelling and more stories um, coming up in the next couple episodes but also want to um you know try to bring out the idea of you know how we how can we help people understand the bee world a lot more because most people are scared of the bees which I think that shouldn't be because there's a whole lot going on in that world. Um, a lot of more benefits than, you know, for us as human beings than we realize. Um, and then kind of help them understand, okay, if they, if they're a homeowner, if you're a commercial business, here are some of the things to watch out. So, you know, we're going to be bringing those, those tips and, you know, you know, stories for people to understand and hear, listen to and, and enjoy, you know, I mean, cause I think you're chock full of them. Um, but you know, just as as an outro to this first episode, let's get let's wet people's appetite a little bit. Give us maybe three of the biggest ahas that you had during this journey that you've gone on when it comes to bee removal in terms of, you know, your understanding of the bees, right? And being you know, just tell people three things that you hold most high in regard towards your attitude towards the bees or your respect for the for the bee world well the the first thing i think is the fact that there's so many people out there that really want to uh save the bees and have live removal done i really didn't know there was that many people out there that really cared that much about saving the bees now 24 25 years ago 
before the collapsed colony disorder hit the bee uh, world and a lot of the colonies were dying off, uh, there was still quite a few people. But since the demise of the honeybee, and it was all over the front page news just seven, eight years ago, uh, it's amazing how many people really care about the bees being saved. Um, the second thing is, I would have to say, is the amount of people that are willing to uh, do do their part to help save the bees. You know, they call it host families for beehives. Um, there's a group of people, it's a society, and anyway, they get involved with people that have properties in rural areas, and they'll host a beehive or two. They'll allow a beekeeper to come once a month or whatever and come work the hives on their property because they might live in a city or in an area where they can't keep the hives, but mm -hmm. they want to have some hives, and these people have the land. And it's really a win-win because these people have property with fruit trees on it, and, and they benefit because they get their fruit trees and their flowers on their property pollinated, uh, as well as they're, they're doing their part to help save the bees. So, you know, that's a really good thing. That's a win-win all the way around. Um, and I think that the third thing is, uh, I can't think of the third thing. <laughs> 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 well, let, well, let's, let's go back, back to when you were, you were young. Like, what was your first impression, uh, you know, and kind of what was going through your mind of why am I doing this? Other than your own passion towards it, like how you think about otherworldly things that were in people's lives and how it affects people and. Or was well, it just about making yeah, that, it, that for, quick for me? It was it was about getting that honey. I, mean, <laughs> I, I know that sounds crazy, but it, for me, it was all about getting that honey. I, I know that sounds you just crazy. love honey that I much. Huh? I, like my mom goes like I'd come home with bags of honey. She go, did he pay you? And I said, no, but I got twenty pounds of honey, mom. <laughs> it looks like gold. <laughs> she says, okay, if you're happy with that, cool. So, man. That's yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It just, you know, I did it for free. I mean, when I yeah. started, I, I honestly, oh, so I'm, you weren't I mean, making I mean, money. I didn't, I didn't get paid until my mom got a little upset with them, and she had a little talk with them, uh, pulled them off to the side, and then uh, that's when I started getting uh, some some uh, paychecks, and yeah. I started getting paid. Um, so, so I mean, for me, it really was passion because I didn't get when I first started. All he did was give me honey, and he'd feed me. There Imagine you. that, huh? Yep. A 15-year-old that'll work for food. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, we're here chasing bees with Jeff Lutz on his first episode of his podcast. And um, that's a wrap, man. So um, anything else you want to tell people before we get out of here? Just take care of them bees, man. If you got them on your property, get them taken care of. Try to save them if you can. And uh, call a professional beekeeper or bee removal specialist and, and try not to have them sprayed and killed whenever you don't have to. And don't use the water hose. And don't spray <laughs> them down with hose water or water hose because they will sting you. All right. Check it out, man. Take care, you guys. <laughs>